Didn't they do great? Thank you guys so much. Vessel, awesome name, awesome band. Thank you for leading us this morning. Kids, yeah, let's, let's clap again. If you were an elementary age kid, K through five, I want you to come join me down the front. I need some help for this next thing. Wow, you're sprinting out of the pews. This is awesome. Um, uh, while they're doing that, we're in the middle of our I Spy series here at Chapel Hill for Family Worship Month. And we have two weeks left. Next week, we're going to be hearing all about the story. You heard Pastor Mark mention it earlier. We're going to be hearing about how we can spy God on the move, telling his story throughout all of history. And this morning, we're going to be hearing a little bit about our Saturday night service, Saturday night at Chapel Hill. And we're going to be hearing about uh, how we can spy God on the move, connecting. So this morning, we're talking about how can we spy God connecting. Now, connecting is a word maybe we don't use all that much. Where, like, are there any places, kids, that, that you've seen the word connect or connecting? Yeah? Connecting to the internet. Connecting to the internet. Yeah. How many of you guys, how many of you guys get to play on, on, your, on your parents' uh, computers or smartphones or tablets or... Yeah, yeah, there we go. We all do it, right? Okay, and sometimes you sit there for a little bit of time and it's like, it says connecting, Right? And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and it's not happening. Or sometimes it says, like, cannot connect to a Wi-Fi network, or this sort of thing. Yeah, and a signal loss, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so we're really familiar. Well, when I was growing up, I didn't have the internet. Um, that might sound surprising to you, um, especially as many of you out there think I'm still 16. Um, and I didn't, my parents didn't even have a smartphone. They, they just had dumb phones. Um, so what I, what I actually had to play with was one of these things. And I'm going to need some help. I need two volunteers, okay? Okay, I'm going to pick you in the pink with the stars, okay? And then over here, I'm going to go with you down here in the check, okay? Now, what's your name? Olivia. Olivia, can you stand over here? And what's your name? Connor. Connor, come and stand over here, all right? So this is what I had to play with when I was growing up. We didn't have smartphones. Uh, I had one of these, all right? Do you guys know what this is? Some of them do. These two, Connor and Olivia, are looking a bit bemused. They're not quite sure what this is. So how about this? You come and stand all the way over here, because this is quite long. I want you to, uh, to hold that, okay? And I'm going to unravel this. Okay, what this is, we call it a tin can phone, all right? I don't know if, if anyone's ever seen this before out of the kids. Here we go. We can make this work. And, uh, and the way it works is actually the same as all of our devices that we use, all of our iPads and smartphones and other cell phones and computers and everything, they all work the same way. You put a noise in at one end and it makes some some vibrations and they travel either through the air and they vibrate in the air and we can't hear it or we can't see it, or they go along a wire and they vibrate or they kind of make the light kind of like vibrate in, in some sort of weird way. If I had an engineer up here, I'm sure they would be telling me exactly what it did. Um, but I'm kind of making it up as I, as I go along. Um, and so you're going to need to stand right back here, Olivia, because this is really long, right? Um, and they all kind of work in the same way. And you're going to see how it works here, because we've got these two tin cans. And what I want you to do is pull it really tight, okay? And then, Olivia, you speak into it, and kind of you listen, all right? Did you hear that? Was that good? Yeah? How about we do it the other way around? Why don't you, why don't you speak to her? Yeah. Can you hear him? Yeah, that's working. So what's happening is, 
Connor speaks in this end, and the vibration travels all the way along the wire to the other end. Now, you see, the only way it works is if they're connected, right? That's how it's designed. That was how it was made. Um, I made this yesterday with my daughter. And um, if it isn't connected, what do you think will happen? Why don't you guys put it up, pull it tight, try speaking into it. Connor, why don't you speak to Olivia? You listen. Tell her something. Tell her a joke or something like that. Yeah, knock, knock. Okay, you say who's there? You say lettuce? You, you, you can say lettuce, that's part of the joke. <laughs> lettuce, you say lettuce who? Yeah, you say lettuce in, it's wet outside. Alright, oh, whoops. Alright, now try it again. Tell her the punchline, you missed the punchline. Lettuce in, it's wet outside. Can you hear him? You can't hear him, can you? It's been disconnected. You see, when something that's designed to be connected, okay, is disconnected, it doesn't work like it's supposed to, all right? And and the reality is, the truth is, that we're all designed to be connected, connected to God, that was how he designed us, and connected to God's family, connected to his church. And when we're not connected to God and connected to his family, we don't work like we're supposed to. I'm going to tell two stories this morning, and I want you to listen to them. One about a woman from the Bible, and one about myself. And they're stories about how this woman and myself were disconnected, and we found that we weren't working properly. And they're stories about how we became reconnected. So, Connor, Olivia, you did great. Can we give them a round of applause? And kids, you can head on back, back to your seats. Thank you both. Well, like I said this morning, we're going to be looking at two stories, thinking about how we can spy God on the move, connecting. One story is about a woman from the Bible. It's from Mark chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, grab, grab it, open it up to Mark chapter 5, and you can follow along as we're reading that. And the other one is a story about myself. I want to start with the, the story about the woman in Mark chapter 5. And to give you a little bit of background, set some context, uh, we want to know what's, what's going on. This is early in Jesus' ministry. Okay, this is early days. He's with his disciples. They've just been on a boat going from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. They arrive. There's a big crowd gathered. And in the midst of this big crowd is a really important and powerful man. And he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet. This super powerful man. And he starts begging Jesus, saying, Jesus, please, come. I need you to heal my daughter. My daughter is dying. I need you to come quick. She's dying right now. Please, come. And so Jesus, of course, says, yes, I'll come. And so him and his disciples begin on this urgent mission, moving to this man's house. And, and, and his disciples are kind of thinking, wow, okay, like this guy's really important. If we heal his daughter, we're going to make it big time, okay? Everyone's going to know about us. This is, this is it. This is, this is when we're going to hit the big time. We need to get there. We need to do this. This is an urgent mission, priority number one. That's the scene we find ourselves in. All right? And let me tell you this story about this woman who we find in the midst of the scene. We're starting in verse 24 of Mark chapter 5. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, 
She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So we meet this woman in the midst of this, of this busyness. And this woman has been suffering with this illness for 12 years. She's suffered a great deal. Many doctors have tried to help her, but she's not got better. She's only got worse. But here's the thing. This, this woman on, wasn't only suffering with a physical affliction. At that time, in that community, her sickness, her disease meant that she was deemed unclean. And part of the result of being unclean was that she couldn't go to the temple to worship God and that she couldn't be around other people without telling them that she was unclean. So in effect, this woman was not only suffering physically, but she was suffering spiritually because she couldn't connect to God in the way that they did in those days. She couldn't go to the temple. And she was suffering socially She couldn't connect to her community. She was probably a social outcast. She probably lived outside the city. She probably didn't meet with anyone else except those other people who were unclean. And so this woman, as a result of her illness, is in this circumstance of being disconnected from God and disconnected from community. But then she hears about this Jesus. Okay, he's been going around Galilee. He's been healing people all over the place. And, and she thinks to herself, you know what? If, if I can get with this Jesus, maybe he can heal me. And then maybe I can get connected back to God. Maybe I can stop being a social outcast. Maybe I can be part of the community. But then she realizes, you know what? I can't just walk up to Jesus. Like, everyone knows I'm unclean. They won't let me. They'll tell me to go away, that you'll make him unclean and he can't have you near him. And so when she sees this big crowd around Jesus, she, she hatches a plan. She, she says, maybe I can just grab even his cloak and I won't be noticed by everyone. And, and maybe that will be enough and I'll get healed. There's a, there's a risk. It's not going to work, she thinks to herself. But I've got so much at stake. It's worth taking that chance. My own story is, is not one of, of illness, but it is one of disconnection from God and from community. I professed faith in Jesus age five. I reaffirmed my baptismal vows age 12. But then from age 13 onwards, my parents stopped attending church. We would sometimes gather together as a family for family worship. But outside of that, and maybe the odd prayer that I might pray, I really didn't connect with God And outside of my family, I didn't connect with any of God's community. It was only my mom, my dad, and my much younger sister. And this was a really dark time for my faith during those teenage years, junior high and high school. It was a time when I really wasn't connected to God, and I wasn't connected to his community. And I tried to find that sense of belonging that I was missing, that sense of being in relationship. And I tried to find it at school. I tried to be one of the cool kids. I tried to be with the in crowd. And, and I never really felt like I was accepted, like I was, I was a part of it. Yeah, I was one of the you know, rugby players and they were always the cool kids. But I, ne- I always just felt like I was on the outside. 
I was disconnected from God, disconnected from community, searching for that sense of connection. And then one fall evening when I was 18, I, I spotted my chance. I, uh, I met a, a friend of a friend and I heard that she went to church. And there were a bunch of other people my age who went to church with her. And, and all of a sudden I thought, you know what? That's it. I, like deep inside of me, I, I sensed this urge. Ellis, you need to be a part of a church. That's what you need. That's what you're searching for. That's what's going to help you connect to God and connect to community. And so I saw this friend of a friend and I thought, here's, here's my shot. Here's my chance. Because, you know, I was too scared to just walk into a church. I don't know if you've ever been scared to walk into a church, but I was scared to walk in. I didn't know what I was going to find. I didn't know how people were going to treat me. But, but I knew if someone invited me, if someone brought me with them, it would be different. And so this friend of a friend, I, I started kind of asking about church and probing. And, and, and I was trying to turn the conversation around, trying to score myself an invite to church. I saw my chance, just like that woman, I saw my chance to get reconnected. Let's go back to the woman. Let's see what what happens next in her story. So she's just in the midst of this crowd, reached out, touched Jesus' cloak. And verse 29 carries on. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, You see the people crowding around against you, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus, in the midst of this urgent mission to save a dying girl, of a powerful man, sensed that something important had taken place. He sensed in his spirit that power had gone out from him. And so he stopped in the middle of this crowd. And he put his head on a swivel, we might like to say. He went, who touched me? There was something urgent. There was something pressing. But he knew there was something more important that had just taken place. And he put his head on a swivel. He sensed in his spirit, I need to stop. I need to find out who that was that touched me. Because that was something significant. I wish that I could have said the same of this friend of a friend in my conversation with her. Actually, I I probed about church and about faith, and um, the reality was that she didn't want to talk about it. Um, Maybe she thought I was kind of quizzing her and trying to, you know, make life difficult for her. I was this big rugby-playing oaf and was probably a little bit intimidating to her. Um, But she didn't want to talk about church. She didn't want to talk about faith. And actually, I left that encounter with her that evening being really sad. Thinking, I wonder if I'm ever going to be able to have this sense of connection that I so long for with with my God and, and, and with his community. Thankfully, over the next couple of months... God began stirring something in her. God began to speak to her. She, she began to put her head on a swivel and, and realized, you know what? That was, that was a significant moment. And I, and I missed it. He wasn't just like being intimidating. He wasn't just quizzing me. He, he was actually seeking. He was searching for something. And she began to ask around. She asked her friends, what do you know about Ellis? What are, um, who, who is he? And she, she found out Ellis calls himself a Christian. And so God began to work in her heart and began to to change her 
and help her to put that head on a swivel and realize, you know what? I missed an opportunity. Let's go back to the story of this woman. Jesus is is looking for her. That's where we've left it. He's saying, who touched me? Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at Jesus' feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know what's amazing is this, this woman who is, is coming to Jesus, she's trembling with fear. She's thinking, oh my goodness, I just made all these people unclean. I just touched him. I made him unclean. He's calling out for me. He's going to scold me. He's going to tell me off. She comes to him. She falls at his feet. And Jesus doesn't say anything. Jesus just listens. And in that moment where he listens to her tell her whole story, he says to her, I love you. I value you. I care about you. I want to know what your life is about, what has happened. And not only that, but in that moment, he gave her an opportunity to connect to God face to face in a way that we will never get in this life. Jesus was God in the flesh. And in that moment, in that encounter, God listened to her, told the whole story. And she was reconnected to God in a way that she never could have imagined possible. But Jesus didn't just stop there. He went further. He didn't just listen, reconnect her to God. He then went on to make a pronouncement. He went on to say, you are healed. And he didn't say that just for her. He said that for the whole community. He wanted that community to know that this woman had been made clean that she can be restored to life in this community, that no longer does she have to live outside the city, that she can be a part of that community once again. In that moment, Jesus connected her both to God and to God's community. In my own story, several months after that first encounter with with this this friend of a friend, I, I bumped into her again at another party. And I was still in a really dark time in my life. For those of you who like literary metaphors, the the party was being hosted at the Hellfire Caves, which gives you some idea of where I was in my faith journey at that time. And uh, she, I, I bumped into her and, and she kind of took me aback. The first thing she said to me was, Ellis, I heard you're a Christian. I'm like, whoa, where, where did that come from? I've been trying to keep that one a secret. Um, and, and so she's like, I, I said, yes. And she's like, well, you should come to church. I mean, we've got this awesome church and so-and-so goes there and so-and-so goes there. And we've got this great youth group and... And I didn't even hear the rest of it. She was telling me all about how great the church was and everything. But she had me at the word church. Because at that moment, I just had this deep sense of joy and excitement. As if my longings, my desires were going to be fulfilled through this invitation. And the amazing thing was that they were. Over the coming months, I became a part of that community. 
I reconnected to God in a way that I hadn't done before. I connected to Christian peers who spurred me on in my faith, who encouraged me, who helped me to grow. And they called out gifts in me. That was the church that first gave me the opportunity to preach. That was the church that first taught me to lead worship. And God did that through a simple invitation, through one girl having her head on a swivel, paying attention to how God was speaking. You see, God has a desire to connect with those who are disconnected. He wants to connect them to himself. He wants to connect them to his community because he knows that is what we were designed for. We were designed to be in relationship with God and we were designed to be in relationship with his body, the church. That is how he made us. And he longs for us to experience that. And that is our longing and our desire here at Chapel Hill. We long for people to be connected to God. We long for people to be connected to Jesus' body, to God's community, to the church. That is our heart. That is what we long for. We don't want to be a church that ignores those promptings of the Spirit. We want to be a church that has our head on a swivel. We want to be a church that isn't, um, doesn't have the urgence so far in front of our faces that we can't see the important. We want to be a church who is willing to stop like Jesus did, who is willing to turn around, who is willing to say, wait, something important is happening here. Someone's life is at stake here. And I need to be a person who connects them to God like they desire, a person who connects them to community. And it can be as simple as an invite to church like it was for me. That's our hope as a church. But we can't do that unless we're all in on this mission, unless we're all in on this together. We need all of us to be those connectors, to be those people with heads on a swivel, to be those people who don't let the urgent get in the way of the important. That's our heart as a church, as a, as a body. That's what we want. And that is the motivation behind Saturday night at Chapel Hill. We long for that to be a place where we can connect those people who are disconnected. Connect those people who are disconnected from God. Connect those people who are disconnected from community, from the body of Christ, from the church. And so I'm going to ask you this time, Catherine McIver, who is co-leading Saturday night with me, and Pastor Mark to come up and join me. We're going to chat a little bit more about Saturdays to let you guys know what we're doing there. And as they come up, we're going to watch a short video filmed at a prayer service we had a couple of weeks back.
Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, the two of you. You're welcome. Um, so, Pastor Mark, this, this may be a new thing to, to most of us here, but really this has been something that's been burning in your heart for a long time. Yeah. Could you tell us about kind of the background and the history? And Actually, for several years I've been thinking that it was time for us to do something on the evening and the weekend um, for all kinds of reasons, but as I laid it before the Lord, I didn't sense permission, and we didn't seem to have the resources, we didn't have the people to pull it off, and so it continued to be pushed away, but I just could not get past it. And then in this last year, as we undertook this greater commitment to disciple-making and really reaching out to people in a relational way, in an intentional way, I asked Betsy Hunt in our office to just do some research, to take a look at our attendance records. And I was pretty astounded to discover that she came back and she said, there are 900 people who are members of the church who attend worship on a Sunday morning one time or less in a month, every month and who consider themselves active in worship. As I said, I found that astounding. 900 people who are active members of the church, but who come to church once or less in a month, and they thought that that was okay. So I was astounded. I was kind of mad. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped being that. I realized that wasn't going to be very helpful. But that really did then stir me to begin to think, what in the world can we do than to capture these people who already love our church, already consider themselves part of this church, and yet are obviously disconnected. And so that was where we thought, maybe a Saturday night experience. But more than just a different option time-wise, we wanted to provide a service that would intentionally connect them in, draw them in, in a way that being here perhaps on a Sunday morning or or in a larger setting, or whatever, just could not do that. So it's not just another alternative time, which it is, obviously, but more than that, it's a different kind of a thing, and we hope that we'll be able to draw hundreds of people in a, more deep, in a deeper way into, into the body. So. Right, right. Now, Catherine, you're, you're our worship director. You're in charge of putting together all our worship services. Tell us, tell us a little bit uh, how Saturday night, what it's going to be like. Um, so as we've been thinking about um, what it looks like to help people connect to God, I've thought a lot about what does that mean for the actual content of a worship service. Um, and one of the things that we've been dreaming about is thinking about how um, if you've been disconnected from God, it takes a little more intentionality to help someone do that in the context of a worship service. And so we've kind of thought about three ways we want people to connect to God at the Saturday night service. And the first is through... Um, an extended time of singing with a lot of space in it. And we believe that connecting to God um, entails being able to hear his voice and being able to respond to that voice. And we recognize that it takes a lot to get through all the other voices in our worlds, right? You got to kind of sit in that for a little bit and um, learn to hear what's my own selfish pride saying to me and what is the spirit of Christ actually speaking to me? And so we want to create an environment where people can hear from God and respond to him through singing and we also want to help people connect to God through hearing the word together. We think that's a really important part of being a community. Um, and we'll have the, the same preacher same Sunday Same preacher on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yep, same series. We'll be trucking along in the story just like everybody. Um, and then the third way we want to help people connect to God in the actual context of the worship service um, is to set aside some time after the sermon to really minister to one another. And maybe some weeks that will look like prayer time in small groups or maybe as a whole group. That might look like a time of silence and just waiting, um, listening for what God is saying. That might look like singing together again. Um, So we're really excited to see how people get to connect to God in the context of the worship service. Um, 
And then outside the context of the worship service, Ellis, I'm guessing that when you got invited to go to that church, what made you feel like you're a part of the community isn't what just happened between the call to worship and the benediction. No, I mean, yeah, there was a part of it, but it was it was beforehand and afterwards and, you know, everything that took place around the worship service. Exactly. And so one of the things we've been thinking about a lot is if you're if you've been disconnected from community, um you don't start looking for community when the service officially starts. You start looking for that community as soon as you hit the front door or maybe even the parking lot. And so we um, have been really intentional in thinking about how we're going to help people connect to one another from the minute they get here. We've got an awesome welcome team thinking about what it means to um, really create a space where people feel safe and willing to engage. We've got an awesome connect team thinking about what does it look like to help people connect into life groups. And so I'm really excited um, to think about the whole of Saturday night at Chapel Hill and um, look for different ways to help people connect to God and connect to one another. And we've, I mean, we've said we, we want people who feel disconnected from God, disconnected from this community to be there. But there are a lot of people sitting here this morning who are here all the time. And, right. uh, you know, what, what, what would you say to them? What's our kind of expectation of, of them? Well, what I, what I don't expect is a big migration from this service to Saturday night. We don't want that. We don't need that, as a matter of fact. We've got 89 people who have already kind of committed to be pioneers. Uh, they they want to be and they feel called to this kind of new and exciting uh, planting of a new thing. So we, we don't, if you like it here, if you're happy on Sunday morning, awesome. We're still going to be meeting here on Sunday mornings. Um, but what we would love would be, A, that you care about this, that you don't just view it as the kind of the rump group on Saturday night, but, but you get excited about the fact that Chapel Hill's doing something new and kind of risky and, and out there, and that you're pulling for it, that you're praying for it. That you would really, we have bathed this thing in prayer. Every Saturday night we're gathering for an hour and a half to bathe this thing in prayer. So pray for us. And then here's the last and most important thing. Uh, That you do what you heard preached today. There are a lot of Presbyterians, they're happy about evangelism if someone else does it. Right? Yeah, someone ought to go out to the ends of the earth and it's not going to be me. And, and what we are hearing today from the Word is that, that we would be the ones who have heads on swivels. We are the ones who are looking for the disconnected person who can't come on a Sunday or will never would show his face or her face in this building on a Sunday morning for some reason. But Saturday might be a good fit. And so you watch for them, you ask them, maybe you take them one time. And, and so it becomes a work of this church to say, let's find those people who need what Chapel Hill is offering, who need the community that, that they can find on a Saturday night. Let's find them. Let's us be the ones that are out there fishing. Find them and bring them in. And I, I believe that we're going to be amazed at the number of people who show up on that first night. And what God is going to... Uh, he started a great thing there 28 years ago. I think that space is going to be uh, filled with people again who, uh, who don't have a place but are going to discover a place. And by the way, if you need a place to worship and you can't be here on a Sunday morning, you're certainly welcome to come on Saturday night. That's the other thing it will provide. Not that anyone ever needs that during Seahawks season. No. So uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I'd love it, Mark. If if, if you would pray, pray for Saturday nights yeah. and lead us as a congregation. In that. Let's yeah. pray together. <clears throat> Lord God, we uh, we believe that this is a call of you, and and so we have taken you seriously at that. We have thrown ourselves seriously at this, but we know that nothing we can do apart from you is going to worth be worth anything. 
Only you, God, can bring the right people together to welcome and to serve and to shape the service. Only you can bring the right people together who will be ready to receive these disconnected people who maybe tentatively make their way through the doors and wonder if there really is a space for them who are going to welcome and warmly draw them into the embrace of the church. So God, would you stir those people and would you please begin to work in the hearts of people who have no idea what you have in store for them, but in fact, you have determined this will be their place. Lord, we are so excited and we claim great things for you. I would pray and we would believe that because of Saturday night at Chapel Hill, hundreds of people, hundreds of people who have not yet found found a connection to you and a connection to your church would suddenly be drawn in, embraced, and excited about the fullness of the gospel in their lives. You can do this. And by your Spirit, we claim that you would do this. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward at this time. And if you are here this morning and you could really relate to the story of that woman or to my story, there's something that is keeping you disconnected from God or disconnected from his community, I love you. Come forward and meet with one of these members of the prayer team. Let them listen to you like Jesus listened to that woman. Let them pray for you. Let them speak truths over you. Um, take this opportunity while they're here. We, we believe prayer works. And, and if you're here this morning and you are sensing, I need to step out in faith and maybe invite someone to come on Saturdays or I even invite them, you know, come on Sundays. We still want you to invite people on Sundays as well. Um, then you're feeling a bit like, I need the courage to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, I, but I'm sensing that's what God's asking me to do. If, if that's you, come forward and receive some prayer. Let these, let these members of the team lay hands on you. Ask for the Spirit to empower you to do that so that we can work together as a church and present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we're all about, seeing people fulfill their God-given destiny in Jesus. And for all of us this morning, I want us to leave with a blessing from God. And the way we receive a blessing is with open hands. So would you raise your hands up and receive this blessing from God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect peace, both now and forevermore. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and God's people said, Amen.